think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. This is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. This young lady suffered an aurora, a, a terrible death, a violent death, fighting for her life. Another U.S. citizen family is going to bury their child because of this open border. They're going through hell because this government has failed them. we got to save lives, and you do that by securing the border. I mean, we have opened the borders to, and I'm not saying everybody that comes across the border is a terrible person. But there's a high enough percentage, the risk is so high that it's unacceptable. We're getting gang members from Venezuela. We're getting MS-13. I think some countries are actually emptying their prisons like Castro did in 1980 onto the United States. And they, they come from lawless places. They have no respect for the, the rule of law or, or, or police or authorities. And they pretty much do whatever they please. They live in an underground society. That alone, you know, is, is a criminal act. I mean, everything's black market. So, you know, criminals, spies, uh, uh, terrorists. And we, we just, it's a self-inflicted wound on this country. It is a self-inflicted wound, and this president has created it for us. We were listening in the beginning there to former acting ICE director Tom Holman, and followed by former acting ICE director Chris Wecker both talking about how lawlessness has taken over our nation with the permission, the encouragement of the Biden administration and all the progressives who were all happy about having a happy open border and sanctuary city and status until it ended up in their backyard. But my concern and my thoughts and prayers over the weekend have been focused on one of the more recent cases of violence against an American. Her death is no less nor no more important than others who have lost lives at the hands of illegals or the drugs they brought in. But this 22-year-old Georgia University nursing student, top honor student, top honor student, Lakin Riley was going to nursing school. Her intent was to become someone who could help community, maybe help someone like the Venezuelan illegal who killed her. She will never have the chance, and her father and her mother have to hear a police call to them and say, your daughter's been killed. Now, that is horrific in any way you look at it. And after that news came out, I again, I ask, I ask all of you who support open borders, all the way up to the White House and the progressives, how can you sleep at night knowing that that young life got snuffed out by an illegal that had been in our country for two years, never should have been released inside the country? If you have children, your heart breaks, even if you don't have children. 
Now, you know, at one time, at one time, this Venezuelan illegal was also a child. But he has since become a monster that we allowed to come into this country. We allowed it under the Biden administration of let everyone in. We'll check them, we'll vet them. You can't do that with a lot of these people to begin with. And then the violence could be foreseen. I want to break it down for you in more detail. First of all, I do thank you for joining us. Here we are, Feb 28, 2024, Feb 26. Thanks for correcting me, Quentin. Feb 26, 2024. First hour, Larry Connors, USA. That's what was disturbing. I could see this phone thing coming up, but I couldn't get it turned off and fast. Let me start again, February 26, 2024. This is the first of two hours of Larry Connors USA. Back-to-back for you. And uh, reminding you when we're on the air, we're also streaming video at Newstalk STL, Facebook, Rumble, Twitter, Larry Connors, USA, Facebook, Rumble, Twitter. You miss anything, video or audio, you can always go back and pull it up at LarryConnorsUSA.com or Larry Connors, USA, Facebook. Now, in the midst of this situation with an illegal coming in who was originally arrested by U.S. Customs and Border Protection September 8, 2022, because he illegally entered the U.S. near El Paso. And then he was released by border officials because they have no option under this administration. And then he was arrested a little over a year later in New York, charged with acting in a manner to injure a child less than 17. It's not clear what he was trying to do to that child. You can let your imagination run or just accept the fact he was charged with that. And again, charged is not the same as being convicted, nor is it on this case with Lakin Riley, the student killed in Georgia. So he was arrested again Friday in connection with her death after her body was found on the Athens campus of the University of Georgia. ICE requesting to detain this guy if and when he's released from criminal custody so we can seek his deportation. But he's from Venezuela, and the Venezuelan president said, I will not take anyone back. Here we have an undocumented illegal allowed to remain in the U.S. after being arrested twice. And he came across the border illegally to begin with. President Biden is announcing he will have a new immigration action he's going to present to the nation at the State of the Union. That would be March 7. Why not today? Why not last weekend? Why not right after the death of this young nursing student? Because it's politics, as all of it has been. And they want to blame everything on the GOP, say the GOP is not helping us get immigration under control. What we want first is close the border. Then we can discuss all the other issues related to immigration. But again, when the White House 
through their spokespeople and their political campaigns, try to put all the blame on the Republicans. I can tell you right now, it's not going well. And Kansas Senator Roger Marshall says no. Americans know better. They absolutely know better. They know where the responsibility lies. 10 million reasons why we should fire Joe Biden this year. 10 million people across the border illegally under his watch. Um, This is an admission of guilt, though, on the White House's stance as they move towards some type of an executive action to secure the border. But what did he do with his executive actions to unwind it? Well, he did over 90 actions to unwind it, but now now he's moving forward. You wait, the State of the Union is going to say, I'm going to, out of the kindness of my heart, I'm going to secure the border. It's an admission of guilt. He could have done it all along. Yeah, Americans know that. And why isn't he doing the executive action now? Yesterday. Why wait <laughs> right yesterday? Why wait until the State of the Union? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Well, he does. He knows his politics. That'll be a chance for him to shine brightly in March as we get closer to the election. It will not. Stuart Varney also is raising the question, not just of how many illegals are in the country right now, but he was talking to a New York Assemblyman, Michael Tenosis, about what kind of money and payouts and free things are being given to illegals. All those migrants who are in New York City, tens of thousands of them, have this law not been struck down, they could all vote. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you imagine coming into New York City for 30 days? And now, think about it. If you're an American citizen, just like my parents, immigrants, you worked hard. You became an American citizen. And now people that are coming in for 30 days are now allowed to influence to, uh, American the American political system. Can you imagine if it was the other way around? Can you imagine if I have gone to France and stayed there for 30 days? Will they let me vote in, in the elections? Absolutely not. Why are we allowing that here? Yeah, that is a very good question. And that's what they're pushing in New York City. You can't do that, but New York City thinks they can. This is stupidity upon top of stupidity over and over again. And then you have the issue of all the money that's being handed out on these debit cards. I pointed this out the other day, and Stuart Varney raises the same question with his guest. New York City is spending 53 million bucks on prepaid credit card, debit cards for migrants. A new report shows the the actual residents of New York City are becoming poorer. One in four children are living in poverty. Clearly, in New York City, the interests of migrants are put way ahead of the interests of local-born, poverty-stricken people. This is outrageous. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a report that came out today, actually, that said that there wasn't even a bidding process for the company that actually received the contract to be able to facilitate these debit cards. That company stands to make one point eight million dollars. This is par for the course in terms of how this how City Hall has handled this migrant crisis. There's been a complete lack of transparency and accountability. There has been no bidding process. The mayor has cited his emergency powers to dole out these contracts. We have another a shelter that opened up in my district at Island Shores. Uh, as soon as it opened up, it was an agreement between a not-for-profit called Homes for the Homeless and uh, the city of New York. We demanded a copy of the contract between the two entities. They refused to give it to us. We eventually foiled it, and then we found out that it was a contract that was for $28 million for three years. Think about that. $28 million for three years to house migrants. Shopping. It is completely unacceptable, yeah. lack of accountability, lack of transparency, and the people of New York City cannot let this stand. And it is ripe for crime because giving such a contract out without a bid, you know that had to be rigged. 
And then you had this other Venezuelan who's living in New York City posted a video. He has something like 300,000 followers and said, uh, look, I came here to vacation, not work. I'm here to vacay. You should come and do that. But by the way, will you help raise money for the 15-year-old illegal who is charged with shooting a tourist in Times Square earlier this month? This is the kind of people we've allowed into this country. Not asylum seekers. Some are here just trying to better their lives, but some are here to take your life. That's New York City. Let's go to Chicago. And again, there's a group called Chicago Against Violence led by Pastor Andre Smith. In the community that I was born in, which is called Woodlawn, uh, in the city of Chicago, I um, did get arrested. I, I, I heard that they were bringing the migrants in on a bus, CTA bus, that was paid by the taxpayers' money. And on the top of the bus, it said, my kind of town. So I stood in front of the bus, and I refused for the illegal migrants to get into um, the Wadsworth School, the school in our community that, you know, our kids went to, you know. But now they um, was told that they cannot go to the schools because of lack of funding. And a lot of schools closed because of lack of funding. And how do you think those children feel now that they're driving past or walking past the schools that they was rejected from? Now migrants are living in. Everybody has to ask these questions. And when they're doing it in Harlem and New York, they're doing it in the south side of Chicago, mostly minority communities, they say, what about us? We're here. We've been living here. And you're doing nothing for us. Again, back to Pastor Smith. We're a nation of laws. And uh, if we're a nation of laws, every person that enter into our state or into uh, our nation, our, our county, our country, our city, they have to follow the law. You can't break the law, come in because someone decided to wake up and call a state, a county, or a city sanctuary. Sanctuary city, sanctuary state. You ha There's a law that has to be passed. And that's why we have the issues that we are facing now, massive destructions in cities, um, facing sanctuary cities that buses are coming through. Absolutely. The first law is illegal entry of our country. But the Biden administration has a workaround for that. They'll give you a parole, as they did the Venezuelan illegal, now charged with killing the 22-year-old nursing student. There's news also out of the Middle East regarding the Palestinian, the PLO. But Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel says this is a game. Welcome back in a Fox News alert. The Prime Minister of the Palestinian Authority resigning, yep, setting up for a new government in the West Bank as war against America's greatest ally in the Mideast, Israel, still rages. Now, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu joins us live from Jerusalem with an update. I guess the breaking news is this. The cabinet, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, thanks for joining us, has agreed to offer their resignation, but Mahmoud Abbas hasn't agreed to accept it. If they do resign, does that pave the way for an acceptable two-state solution? No, well, first of all, I think that's musical chairs. They haven't had an election in the Palestinian Authority for 17 years, so they're just shuffling chairs. Boy, did he nail it. They're just shuffling chairs. 
And later he said they don't want a two-state solution. They want a one state that would replace Israel. That's really what they're after. And he also said if they really want to change things and make things better for everyone now and into the future, you do this. The real thing we want to see is genuine de-radicalization. They have to stop teaching their children to become terrorists. They have to stop paying terrorists based on the amount of Jews they kill. They have to stop teaching and indoctrinating a whole generation on the annihilation of Israel. That's real reform. That so far has not happened. I hope it does happen, but so far hasn't happened. Well, and not likely to at any time in the near future. Imagine teaching children... Young Palestinians, you have to hate Jews, you have to kill them. And also rewarding them and their families if you kill a Jew. Victoria Coates, we've had on numerous times before. She's with the Federalist, and I'm sorry, with Heritage Foundation, an expert in world security affairs, and she appeared on Newsmax. We're in a really dangerous, dangerous place here globally, and I think you're seeing uh, malignant world leaders really discount Joe Biden at this point. They don't believe he's capable of of strong leadership. They see his team as rudderless. And and then we're seeing all of these policies, uh, particularly on Israel, for example, that are sort of internally conflicted. Do we support Israel? Do we not support Israel? And this is what happens when there's rot at the top of an administration. Uh, when you have a strong president, you can disagree with him or her. You can, you know, you can, you can uh, not, not uh, want to further their policies. But if you, if you have that strong leadership, you're going to have direction, and America will be respected, and right now that's just not the case. No, we're not. In fact, more in the next hour on how Biden is weakening in our situation around the world and the world itself. Before this hour is over, I want to go back in time to a president who knew the value of strength and also knew how to make you laugh. I think we almost need that from time to time, and it's good to go back in time We're talking, of course, about the great communicator, President Reagan. That'll be coming up before the end of this hour. I will guarantee you, you'll be laughing again over it. But up next, you were hearing in New York City, they're considering getting illegals to vote. Well, there's also a state consideration that might prevent American voters from voting. My guest will explain Lock and load, ready on the right. You are listening to Larry Connors, USA. Pigeons, they are everywhere, and they're very good at dive-bombing freshly washed cars. Wellington Environmental reminds you, those droppings are more than a nuisance. They can be a major health issue especially massive droppings on buildings or in parking garages. So who do you call to safely clean it up? You do what many hospitals, universities, public buildings already do. You call Wellington Environmental. Wellington Environmental has been dealing with all kinds of hazards for 35 years. Special people, special skills, special equipment. Wellington gets it done. So to avoid health issues ranging from Pigeon droppings to mold to chemical leaks. Contact Wellington, 314-644-4930, 644-4930. 
wellingtonstl.com wellington environmental your world cleaner better safer be well with wellington tim jones and chris arps in the afternoon Horace, Americans uh, individually have lost over $4,000 in income and over $7,000 where you have a household with both parents working. It shouldn't be, it's the economy stupid. We should just say, stupid! <laughs> it's the economy. <laughs> Unbelievable the devastation that Americans are feeling. Tim Jones and Chris Arps, weekdays at 3.30 on News Talk STL. What if everything you thought and believed to be true about owning and buying your home turned out to be wrong? Straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. We're the only country that has one of those. Most other countries, considering like Canada, the U.K., uh, they don't have long-term fixed-rate mortgages like that. They're all variable-rate mortgages. HomeWise with Michael Midget, Sunday mornings at 9 on News Talk STL. Great news for my sponsor, Napoli C, and it's no surprise to me, nor hundreds who have dined there. The first time I entered, it was clear Napoli C is unique. The decor, the fish, imaginative cocktails, and of course, Napoli C is right next door to Napoli 3 in St. Charles. Napoli 2 is in town and country. The original Cafe Napoli is in Clayton, and I'm honored to endorse each of them. Visit any of the Cafe Napoli's. This is News Talk STL. Not a yes, sir. Not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder, thunder. This is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. Welcome back. And I've got to tell you, when I read this to you, do not lose control of your vehicle if you're driving, please. Maintain control. As I tell you, there's an Indiana proposal which would give unelected state of Indiana, Indiana proposal which would give unelected abortion-friendly state commissions powers to determine who, who can vote and select an attorney general. And a Republican is behind this farce. Joining us now is Joy Pullman, executive editor of The Federalist. Joy, what the hell do we have going on here? Well, it's actually not as surprising as you may <laughs> I know, <laughs> I, I know, but because it's still, it's, go ahead. Oh, well, you know, these intra-party politics can get really vicious, and Indiana is a red state all the way through. So often what that means is, you know, Republicans will try to use Democrats against their own Republican opponents. So the, the backstory is, and this is this is common to many, many states across the country, not to Indiana, not only that tactic, but the fact that, you know, the state attorney general is on the front lines um, in many conservative states. You know, there's something between 22, 26 Republican attorneys general who very frequently work together um, to you know, create some of the most effective pushback against the um, overbearing federal government under Joe Biden. Uh, you know, blatant constitutional, blatantly unconstitutional power grabs of the Biden administration are being fought by these attorneys general. That include Indiana's um, Todd Rakita. So, of course, you know, there's some people who think that you know attorneys general should not be effective. They should just kind of keep their heads stuck in the sand and be a seat warmer. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so. Therefore, you know, Mr. Rakita is getting, you know, the, those sort of attacks. He's um, 
you know, basically gotten in trouble for going after abortionists in the state of Indiana. And, you know, that is a very, very powerful lobby. It's tied to the state's healthcare lobby, which is in Indiana, like most states, very powerful. He has a lot of money to throw around in state elections, you know, so even Republicans don't want to touch them. Um, so by going after abortionists, he has, you know, that has prompted challenges to his law license in the state. It's a tactic that, again, not just in Indiana, but all across the country, leftists have started to file complaints against the law licenses of not just uh, and now half the, re- the Republican attorneys general now face one of these, you know, purely on political grounds. It's not because, you know, they might have committed a crime. They were drunk driving. They touched a woman inappropriate. You know, other things that what people would think are legitimate in Indiana and many of these other states. Now they're getting facing challenges to their law license called ethics complaints just because they basically disagree with Democrats and are willing to represent Republican ideas in courts of law. Chilling speech, Um, and you're talking about the Attorney General, current Attorney General Todd Rakita. Uh, That's right. You point out in your article that major Democrat pressure groups, the 65 Project, lawyers defending Mm -hmm. democracy, which is a laugh, now specifically are in trying to harass, intimidate, and spend tens of thousands of dollars of representation to basically hold back free speech. That's right. So like I said, rather than, you know, ethics complaints actually about ethics issues, they're being used basically as a, as a power weapon against Democrats opponents. So that's what uh, Mr. Rokita is facing in Indiana. He's not the only one, uh, hundreds of uh, lawyers all across the country. And you know, the law field is very, very partisan. It is very far tilted to the left. So there's already not very few, you know, attorneys who are actually conservative or, or even willing to give representation to people on the right in court. So, you know, so that that's already narrowing the options for people to have a to ensure the rule of law by giving a fair and equal and robust representation to the views of people who are targeted by Democrats for their speech. So basically, Democrats want to make sure that anyone who opposes them is going to be bankrupted in the court and cause all sorts of legal issues and problems. Basically, they're trying to intimidate their opponents rather than actually fairly win against them at the ballot box and in the square of ideas. And they don't want to be transparent because, again, you're listening, by the way, right now to Joy Pullman uh, with the Federalists, and you wrote the Indiana Amendment was added by the chairman of the Senate Elections Committee, uh, but he would not disclose who authored the amendment. Why wouldn't he? T- right. And he wouldn't answer your questions. <laughs> Well, again, I'm not very surprised by that. You know, so these sorts of tactics are very normal in politics. Um, but it's very important to notice, you know, that these, you know, that this this commission in Indiana, and again, this is parallel across many states. Sure. The people who control lawyers' law licenses are unelected, you know, bureaucrats. They, you know, and, and they get to decide whether someone is a lawyer. And if someone is a lawyer, that is a qualification for being on the ballot as attorney general. So basically, these unelected people you know, get to say who Republican voter, I mean, Indiana is a Republican state, um, you know, who Republican voters can put in the office of attorney general is controlled by, as I found out, I went through their campaign donation histories, every single lawyer in Indiana on this nine person commission, seven of them are lawyers. Every single one of those lawyers has a history of donating campaign donations to Democrats. Oh, surely not. So surely the- not. You must be made. <laughs> that must be a piece of fiction you wrote, right? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I look, I mean, you can look it up yourself yeah. if anyone wants no, to. No, I trust you, Joy. I trust you. <laughs> you can go to OpenSecrets.org, look up these folks' campaign donations, which is what I did. And the and executive so director, the executive director leads that whole group. 
That's right. And the executive uh, director of this, this commission that's called the disciplinary commission in the state. She, you know, has um, been in that position for a number of years. She is, uh, you know, she went on record saying that judges should be able to go to black lives matter, George Floyd riots. <laughs> that would be ethical in her opinion. She, you know, publicly in law journals supported the idea of implicit bias. That's a debunked, you know, idea from the left, basically saying that people are secretly racist. Even if they don't exhibit any racist behavior, they could secretly be racist. So she said that all the judges in Indiana should be checked for that um, as well. You know, so she's clearly a very, very partisan person. And she is the lady who decides whether to bring these charges um, to uh, up for review, these ethics charges against lawyers. So we have a bunch of Democrats, people in bed with Democrats, supporting Democrats, deciding who can be a Republican attorney general in the state of Indiana? And again, this is not just an Indiana story. There, this is, you know, there's parallels to this all across the country. And I do hear that. But, but again, as you said, it's a red state. Why, mm-hmm. why are Republicans allowing themselves to be pushed and bullied around and maybe even be complicit? Well, I think, I mean, there, I think there's a couple of reasons. You know, the one is just the obvious one, self-interest, right? You know, that people who are in charge, generally like the status quo and they don't like challenges to the way that things are, you know, so in, in, in Indiana has uh, kind of slowly come, you know, to Republican over the past 20 years. And so it, it takes many years to get into office and to achieve senior levels of leadership. So the people in those positions tend to be favoring, you know, things as they were 20, 30 years ago, the kind of conditions that got them into office and into their leadership positions. But I mean, as, as I'm sure you and your audience know, Larry, you know, the, the 20, 30 years ago might as well be multiple lifetimes away from the political <laughs> yeah. situation yes, we face right. ourselves with. Right? A different planet. So, a different planet. <laughs> right. So a totally different planet. You know, so it, it's hard for people to adapt to the situation in which, you know, the rule of law, you know, partisanship is completely different than it was 20, 30 years ago. It might have been more reasonable to work across the aisle. You know, now that would be like, you know, working with someone, helping someone knife you in the back, right? Um, you know, so, so the climate has changed and the people in leadership change more slowly than the politics, frankly. But and I mean, that, so that's just basic self-interest. Yes. Um, but what I see is, and, and, and obviously you've done a great job detailing it. I, my audience understands it, but it's still the hypocrisy that exists that you're not allowed to speak out unless I clear your language first and you're not allowed to do anything other than it going and being cleared by our Marxist commission. Right. Right. And, and I think it's, it's a more, I mean, speaking of ethics, right. It's morally questionable, you know, to be using Democrats who support abortion uh, as a primary opponent against a, a Republican who has been very strong on the life issue. Right. You know, so using people who support mass murder against someone who's trying to reduce mass murder, that's obviously an ethical problem. Right that some of these folks are seeming willing to completely ignore, which, you know, to, doesn't work for me for uh, among many, uh, as well as many base voters here in Indiana. I know your mother, children, I know you're very much pro-life, but uh, do you mind sharing your initial reaction of the Alabama Supreme Court ruling the other day that uh, uh, embryos are considered babies at that point? Oh, I think it was a wonderful ruling. I actually recommend that folks read it. It was also very clever because, while it absolutely uh, upheld the personhood, the human life, the truth, the fact that, you know, human beings are unique and have un- unique DNA and genetic identity from the second they are conceived. So we have mi- a million, I believe, about a million little human beings in frozen cryogenic storage right now across this country. Right. 
right? So that is a tragedy and it is a difficult situation, right? Because we don't have a million adoptive couples who want to try putting those babies, you know, into the mother's womb and giving them a chance at life. So the Alabama Supreme Court, however, didn't, you know, outlaw all IVF. That's been much misreported by the media. But what they did is said that these babies have to be treated with the respect and dignity given to them. They can't be, you know, you have to take great care with them because they are lives. You, you can't just, I mean, I think what happened in this case was, you know, some accidental unfreezing and therefore the death of these children for a couple um, in, in Alabama. You know, so, they, so the court was, was not outlawing outright IVF, which I actually support going forward. Um, but, you know, but, but it was saying, you know, since we have these babies in storage, they have to be treated consistent with what they, what they are, which is human life. Um, which, also so reaffirm, was, which also reaffirms it begins at inception. That's right. There's, no, I mean, there's no other really way to, I mean, I, you know, I've had uh, babies, <laughs> I had six, I've had six of them in my belly so far. You know, you know, I mean, I felt them at six weeks old. I thought with one of my son at six weeks, I thought he was maybe cancer, right? But there was definitely something going on in my body. And, he, <laughs> and, and no matter how, you know, how little they are, right. there's nothing else that those little things turn into. They don't turn into fishes. They don't turn into trees. No. You know, they only can turn into humans and they have all of the DNA within them that create, you know, if you just keep feeding them, they naturally develop into a complete human, just like a little baby who is born. You know, if you keep feeding the, the human baby, he keeps growing into a full adult, right? So it's the same progression, and there's no logical way to cut it off, um, you know, at once the baby is conceived. Joy Pullman with the Federalists. Again, I thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Outstanding article. It is now available at the Federalist. Indiana Republicans moved to... Let Democrats kick any Republican AG off the ballot. Check it out. Coming up, Nikki Haley loses in South Carolina, but as she said, I'm not out. You can connect with Larry on Twitter at USA. I got an email which brought a smile. A woman named Mary wrote me, We are purchasing a new roof from John Beale, based on your recommendation. I thanked her then, I do it again now. Mary, I only endorse clients I believe in, and I've been a spokesman for John Beale for 10 years. It's all about trust. So if, like Mary, you need John Beale, trust me. Call 1-800-NEW-ROOF. 1-800-NEW-ROOF. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training, along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on United States Deputy Sheriff's Association, please visit usdeputy.org. I like supporting local companies that give back to the community. For more than 40 years, Vincent's Jewelers has helped raise more than $1.5 million for local charities. So I'm personally asking that when you're shopping for jewelry, give Vincent's a chance. And in turn, Vincent's will give even more to our community. On Olive, just east of 270. New specials every day on Vincent'sJewelers.com or Vincent's Facebook. 
news, analysis, opinion. USA, USA. That's a big game, man. She's really losing control. People in China have been asking me about people knowing each other down in the mall. This is News Talk STL. It is their responsibility. Hate is a metastasizing agent. We're all keeping a close eye on this. Illegal immigration is crazy right now. The United States is not being overrun. News Talk STL. It is a crisis at the border without question. And News Talk STL.com. McGuire Moving will come to your home or office and give you a free, honest appraisal. Not over the phone. That way you won't be shocked come moving day. Really tight budget? McGuire will offer advice that could save you even more money. McGuire, fully licensed and insured, also has climate-controlled storage for you. McGuireMoving.com. It's that simple. Just remember, you're moving anything, anytime, McGuireMoving.com. This is News Talk STL. This is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. All right, before we go into Nikki Haley and the loss we knew she was going to suffer, she knew she was going to suffer, and the repercussions, there's a report in Breitbart News, and again, I always give you the source. I don't try to hide it. Breitbart is right wing. Some would say far right. That be your classification. That's your choice. But they're pointing out that they have multiple sources familiar with the Fulton County District Attorney's Office stating the Biden administration planted a Democrat operative inside the Fulton County office simply to target former President Donald Trump. Now, that's a claim. And they say if the administration planted the operative, as sources claim, it would present a strong argument that this current administration interfered in the 2024 presidential election, which is yet to come. Breitbart says it gave anonymity to the sources because they fear retribution. They say they had direct knowledge of the environment at the district attorney's office, which they characterize as corrupt. I think by what we've seen from Fannie Funny Willis, it's no surprise that there might be some corruption in there. One figure that they apparently were dealing with, not just Fanny and her alleged lover and fellow prosecutor Nathan Wade, they point to Jeff DeSantis, DeSantis, D-I-S-A-N-T-I-S, not related to the Florida governor. This is the county's deputy district attorney with professional experience apparently far greater than the average county employee. He apparently worked on Willis's 2020 campaign, at least that's what sources are telling, Breitbart News, and he was a former executive director of the Democrat Party of Georgia, has extensive knowledge of campaign financial law. Now, there's nothing wrong with anything I just said. He was also deputy director of compliance for the DNC, the Democrat National Committee. That's on his personal bio. And he's worked for candidates in 30 states running for a 
variety of offices. Nothing in there says there is anything wrong. But what the sources are claiming, that he colluded with the White House to target Trump. One source is quoted as saying, DeSantis did this. He's the one. He is the one pulling all the strings. He was the one that walled her, Willis, off. He was in every important meeting. He is a brainchild behind this. That is the connection to the White House. And again, citing his sources and connections to the Democrat, Georgia Machine, and others, the sources claim they were, quote, 100% certain that he was the inside guy planted in the Fulton County office by the Biden administration. The second source added, everyone heard Fannie Willis testify. It's no secret that she's not smart. This is how she sounds and acts every day of the week. Adding anyone with common sense knows the White House has been involved in this prosecution. Now, we have pointed out for you numerous times before, Willis and her lover were at the White House on numerous occasions, according to the White House logs, before charges were filed against Donald Trump and some of his alliances. Were they getting walking orders, instructions, while they were at the White House? It deserves closer inquiry. You agree? Yes, I agree, and I think you do as well. All right, no surprise that Nikki Haley ended up winning, uh, rather losing, the South Carolina primary the other day. Yeah, I know I'm hearing some say, but, but Trump didn't win by 30 points. It was closer to 20, so it's not that big of a deal. No, you think not? <laughs> and Nikki is still saying, I said before the election in South Carolina that even after the election, I will still be in regardless of what happens. I am a woman of my word. I will continue. And she is, with the Tuesday elections coming up, the Super Tuesday elections. And at that point, that might be the final nail in the coffin. But whether she wants to continue actually depends upon money. Money. As I told you, a lot of Democrat money is being burned up by Democrats as they try to keep her in play against Trump, at least maybe to make it so strong that she cannot be ignored after Trump if he's reelected and cannot be reelected again, that she would be the automatic go-to. Whether or not that happens, that's another issue. But part of this point is, You don't campaign. You cannot campaign if you don't have money. And here's where the rubber hits the road. I told you previously that numerous Democrat organizations were giving money to Haley. In fact, one group had called Haley's campaign and said, uh, do you mind if our PAC, our Democrat PAC, gives money to help Nikki. And they said, no, of course not. Send the money. I don't know that she's ever acknowledged that and pointed that out. I mean, it's public. can't be held, withheld, if you're following the law of reporting 
as you should under the Federal Election Commission. But she's not she's not really shouting it from the rafters. Hey, these guys are supporting me. Guys like the Koch brothers, their network. Because she knows it might cause a lot of backlash. Well, she won't be able to do it anymore now anyway. Because after South Carolina, they're not going to wait for Super Tuesday. Americans for Prosperity, the Coke Network that has given so much money to support her, the billionaire Coke family's libertarian policy advocacy group, Americans for Prosperity Action, after taking stock of what it's spending on Nikki Haley, decided, we're out, purse is closed, bank is shut down for the day and forever for you right now. And when you look at how badly she was beaten, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, even the Coke campaign uh, family had to realize we're throwing money away just to be burned. But I don't know if they expected it to be this bad. It's not a matter of percentage of win or not. Look at the delegates. Just look at the South Carolina delegates. There are 50 South Carolina delegates, 47 went to Trump. Haley got three. Now, in a memo to the staff of the Americans for Prosperity Action, the executive director said, we stand firm behind our endorsement, but it's time to take stock of where we are, as we always do, and make sure we're optimizing our resources for maximum impact towards our goal. And then she adds... And Nikki's not doing it. No, I added that. She didn't say it, but that's what it came down to. But she continued, given the challenges in the primary states ahead, we don't believe any outside group can make a material difference to widen her path to victory. But she praised Nikki Haley as a special leader with conviction, resolve, steel in her spine to jump into a tough race with a narrow path, but we're not going to give you any more money. Isn't this like you see in many offices, somebody is leaving and management puts up a notice that uh, they're going on uh, changing uh, jobs and to another future and we wish them well. And when you know they were really booted in the butt to get out, fired for one reason or the other. But companies have to be very careful about such wording. As that comes back and haunts him on trying to get another job, the company might end up being sued. Now, last week, just for a point of reference, Vivek Ramaswamy, of course, who had pulled out of the race previously and then has now stepped forward supporting Donald Trump, when questioning about why the Americans for Progressive Action I got that wrong. Let me get it again. Americans for Prosperity, sounds the same thing to me, was uh, backing Haley and opposing Trump. He said, I think it's very disappointing that that network has thrown its support behind a candidate who does not even stand for the principles that they claim to embody. Those claims would be, as I said by their name, Americans for Prosperity. 
the Koch brothers don't want everyone to be prosperous. They want you to be equal. They're going to be the ones who are prosperous. All right, let's uh, try to wrap up this hour with a chance to laugh and enjoy the humor of the president, who is known as a great communicator, Ronald Reagan. You are listening to Larry Connors, USA. You want to give someone something which they will really enjoy? Give them a Cafe Napoli gift card. You pick the amount, and they pick which of the Cafe Napolis they want to visit. Cafe Napoli in Clayton, Cafe Napoli in Town and Country, Napoli 3 on the streets of St. Charles, or right next door, Napoli C. The Napoli gift card. It's the perfect gift for anyone or your entire office. Cafe Napoli. Cafe Napoli. This is Larry Connors USA. Larry Connors USA. You know, there's a 10-year delay in the Soviet Union of delivery of an automobile. And you go through a, quite a process when you're ready to buy, and then you put up the money in advance. That this man, he laid down his money, and then the fellow he was in, that was in charge said to him, Okay, come back in ten years and get your car. And he said, Morning or afternoon? <laughs> and... <clears throat> And the fellow behind the counter said, well, 10 years from now, what difference does it make? And he said, well, the plumber's coming in the morning. Sam? Mr. President, in talking about the continuing recession tonight, you have blamed mistakes of the past, and you have blamed the Congress. Does any of the blame belong to you? Yes, because for many years I was a Democrat. (laughs) The story was an American and a Russian arguing about their two countries, and the American said, look, In my country, I can walk into the Oval Office, I can pound the president's desk and say, Mr. President, I don't like the way you're running our country. And the Russian said, I can do that. The American said, you can? He says, yes. I can go into the Kremlin, to the general secretary's office, pound his desk and say, Mr. General Secretary, I don't like the way President Reagan's running his country. He is a great communicator, knew how to laugh at himself and get others to laugh. I had the privilege of being one of, uh, I would say, about 60 uh, journalists from across the nation invited to go to D.C. for a briefing. This is when Reagan was dealing with the Iran uh, controversy, and it still was a controversy. And uh, we were presented with several speakers that we had a chance to ask questions one of them was being uh, Elliot Abrams. Uh, Larry Buchanan was also on the staff at that time. And numerous others, Casper Weinberger. And I was pushing questions quite often. Now, maybe I'm just the, that guy, but I kept throwing questions. The rest of the journalists weren't really voicing anything. There were a few questions, but not many. So when that was over, we were supposed to go to the White House for lunch with the president. They said, you're all free to go on over to the White House, but like some of you come up here, and the first name they called was mine. I thought, well, I guess I lost my invitation. Nope. I still got to go. But now I was told you'll be seated at the president's table. And he came out not just to take a sip of tea and uh, then begin a speech and move on. He came and sat for the entire hour plus for lunch. In fact, they had the 
distract him to go up and make the speech, and he was engaging everyone and talking about all kinds of things. And I thought even Tip O'Neill, his Democrat opponent, would be nice at lunch, so I didn't ask anything tough then, just asked about his past career and how it all linked together. Very charming. Once again, back to Ronald Reagan leaving you with some laughs and thoughts that might brighten brighten your day and maybe the entire week. Wouldn't it be great to have this kind of president again? This was a Democratic fundraising rally at a hotel. And outside, when all of them were coming out, there was a kid there with a bunch of puppies, and he was trying to sell them, and he was saying, come buy a Democrat puppy, buy a Democrat puppy. Two weeks later, the Republicans held a fundraiser in the same same hall. And there was the same kid with the same puppies. When they were coming out, he was saying, buy a Republican puppy. Well, one of the press, a newspaper man who'd seen him two weeks before, said, hey, kid, wait a minute. Two weeks ago, you were trying to sell these puppies as Democrats. What are you doing here now trying to sell them as Republicans? The kid says, now they got their eyes open. was good and a good turn of the phrase. JFK had an ability to do that too, turn of phrase. Harry Truman did, others. It's a, a lost art in some cases, which, by the way, there was a clip on there I did not play. Somebody had compiled that. Uh, he is delivering a speech in an open outdoor setting. Numerous balloons are all around, festive and so forth. And as he's speaking, you hear a pop. And he's still speaking, and he pauses just long enough to say, missed me, and continues. <laughs> the crowd began to get a good laugh out of that. I mean, he knew it wasn't a gunfire, obviously, and the Secret Service probably wasn't so sure, but his reaction is, missed me. Coming up, we're going to have to spend time on more serious issues again. Our border issue, and especially the death of a 22-year-old nursing student by a man who should not have been in this country. Remember our pledge, one nation under God.